Welcome to the Key Wellbeing Podcast and our new series, Lunchtime Listens, where it's all about real clients, real employee wellbeing challenges, and of course, real expert advice. Let's get started. This week, the topic is men's mental health. Over the last couple of years, we've seen a positive increase in the number of men seeking help around mental health and in their ability to speak up openly about their mental well-being. Most recently in the media, we've seen world-famous singer-songwriter Ed Sheeran open up about his struggles with depression, Prince Harry revealing more about his anxiety disorder, and Chelsea footballer Ben Chilwell sharing how he receives support for his mental health. And that's just naming a few examples. But we can't deny that there is still a long way to go to really break down that stigma, particularly in the corporate world. We're joined today by one of Teesside's best, Carl Pemberton, who is the Managing Director of Active Chartered Financial Planners, one of the leading independent chartered financial planning teams in the North. Carl is someone who has also recently shared some of his own mental health challenges, and we're looking forward to carrying on the conversation and encouraging others to do the same thing. Let's get started. So welcome, Carl. How are you? I'm good, Murray. Thank you. Yeah, good. Looking forward to the weekend. Yeah, me too. Me too. It'll be nice to have a break, won't it? So you ready? Going to get straight into it? Yeah, let's do this. Let's do it. So we first heard you speaking about some of your own mental health challenges at the Power of Women International Men's Day event last year. How did you find that, being on the panel? It was a good event. It was a good event. I actually felt weird, firstly being asked. Um, I thought it was a brave thing for Claire to do and actually put the event on in the first place, don't you? Um, what makes you say that? I just think, uh, well, to be fair, I I got a bit of a ribbon about it, saying, why are you speaking at an international, well, I know it was International Men's Day, uh, but it was, why are you speaking at a Power of Women event? There was a few people, a few people, I don't know if it was tongue in cheek, oh. I don't know if people were being serious, but yeah, there was a few comments like that. Okay. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I think it was brave of Claire to put it on. Obviously, it was nice to be on a panel with uh, good people alongside Dave and Dom and Bill. So yep. that that was good. Um, I didn't really know what the uh, the format was going going to be like in terms of the feeling in the room. So, um, but you know, I'm I'm the sort of person who will, I'm I'm always daft enough to try things, and I'll always say yes and worry about it later. <laughs> I love that approach. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Say yes and worry about it later. Or say yes and figure out how and when it comes to it. Yeah. Yep. It's a good uh, good way to keep challenging yourself, I reckon. Um, how important do you think it is for men, particularly in the business world, to open up about the struggles that they might be experiencing? Because I know that you were quite open on that panel and it was really refreshing to get your insights. So how important would you say it was or it is for, for other men to speak up as well and to share? Very um, I probably was a little bit more reserved than I have been previously on that panel. To be fair, okay, um, we didn't get you back. We didn't get your best work on the panel. <laughs> no, the thing is, for people that I know well, I'm more open with. Yeah, um, I was probably a little bit reserved because I didn't know who was necessarily going to be in the room, and uh, in terms of opening up, sometimes it depends where my head's at and, and and how I'm feeling on the day, whether you catch me in a good frame of mind or a bad one. And we all have days like that, don't we? So, um, you know, I, I, sometimes I'm more comfortable than than others at, uh, at 
at opening up. But in terms of should we open up as guys, then yeah, hundred percent. It's it's actually about five years ago as now since I probably experienced my. I don't want to say my lowest, darkest. It sounds a bit dramatic, but when I realised I probably needed to speak to somebody and and get a bit of help, um, was around five years ago. And there was lots of things going on in life, in work. Work was really good. And on paper, life was really good. But there was just lots of shitty things going on around us, which, you know, they all contribute, don't they, when they mount up. And uh, and suddenly it felt like it was too much. But I think for those that have known me a long time, know that I'm an open book. They know that I'll always say what I think. And I'll always try and help others in, uh, you know, preventing them from struggling uh, as well. But what I found by being open about me struggling, I actually found that a lot of people then actually said privately to me, well, I've been through that myself. Or, yeah, that's happened to me. Or people have contacted me afterwards and said, can I have a coffee with you? And for anybody who follows me on some of the social media channels know that I like to have a lot of these coffees with people. And a lot of these coffee chats, in my mind, yeah, a lot of it is work-related. You do get business off the back of it, but it's about building and nurturing those relationships and friendships. And sometimes it's just an opportunity to offload and get things off your chest when, let's be honest, when you're running a business, it's not always easy to find people to do that with especially internally it can be a cheesy phrase but it can be a lonely place when you run a business because there's not many people who understand how it feels to run a business unless you are running a business yourself yeah absolutely and it can be all-consuming overwhelming and I think this idea that we should be on form and able to handle it all of the time is obviously just a fallacy like it's difficult sometimes and particularly as men it's great to see more people speaking up when when they're struggling and to your point earlier I think that the little things are fine to handle but when they start to mount up and they all come at once it can just feel a bit all-consuming can't it yeah which is why I think then a lot of people struggle to to see if you are an external person when you know again going back five years when I was struggling I think a lot of people struggle to see why I would struggle because as an outsider looking in, they would think, well, his life looks pretty good. Business is going well. He's always got a smile on his face. Um, they wouldn't see that anything was necessarily going wrong. And it wasn't like there was some huge um, incident, let's say, that was a catalyst to, to anything. It was lots of little things. And if you saw, if you saw one of those little things, you would think, well, well, that's not enough to worry somebody. But if you don't see every single little piece of that actually building up, you're not going to actually understand what it feels like to then have all of those little things mounting up. So I think it is really hard sometimes for others to see it. And that, for me, was probably more of a of an issue to deal with from an anxiety point of view because I just kept thinking, well, it can't be that bad because no one else has spotted it or no one else understands. Or if you try and say something to somebody, nobody really knows or no one else sees it as an issue. And you start thinking, because they have lots of small little things, I should be able to cope with that. I should be able to deal with that, no problem. So 
that you experienced anxiety had you experienced anxiety before um probably I think we probably all have in life but I probably never recognized it before mm. um I think as you as you get older certainly when you're as old as I am you start to see um more people in our social circles or within life that that have struggled we probably have all had friends family people in the media where you see people have struggles so you tend to notice more you tend to listen more I think when you're younger you're probably not really paying attention as much to those type of things and you and your friends and your circles around you probably haven't experienced those struggles that life's going to throw you away if you're only in your early mid-20s you know I'm a totally different character and I've experienced a lot of different things now in my mid-40s than I was in my mid-20s so yeah I probably wasn't aware of it back then but I'm sure we I'm sure we all have if we've been honest with ourselves yeah do you think it's the first time that you sort of felt overwhelmed by everything though or like it was out of your control and there is a reason for this line of question because it is something that I've experienced um a few years back like I thought I understood anxiety and then all of a sudden I had this day when things just felt like I couldn't get a hold of them I just felt a bit overwhelming and a bit kind of out of control and it was the first time that I'd experienced that and I thought to myself wow if this is what real anxiety is like which people experience a lot I really didn't understand it at all until that point. Yeah mine was very much my sort of analogy is almost like spinning the plates yeah I'd, I'd probably I don't know let's say had half a dozen plates spinning and sometimes that's hard and sometimes it's easy um but at that time I probably had 10 spinning and suddenly you think bloody hell this is this is hard some of these are going to start falling unless I'm not careful and I don't know if any I don't know if I did drop any but my god I didn't have time myself out trying to keep all 10 going and the 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 only person ultimately who was going to keel over at the end was was me and I wouldn't say I was always I was in a dark place but I could feel myself running out of steam thinking god I can't continue this in terms of I can't keep spinning all of these plates and I, I'm gonna have to drop some and again that anxiety of well which ones do you drop it's it's almost a case of whichever one I drop I'm gonna pee someone off and which is the least shit option or who do I want to who do I want to piss off the least it's it's a really you know if you drop one of those plates someone's going to be disappointed or unhappy with you which then manifests itself even more in your head so you you try and keep it going for as long as possible don't you but then you're only doing yourself a disservice really Mm. I think we need to normalize conversation around dropping plates I think we're all going to do it at some point and we need to be okay with that we also need to cut people slack when they do it <laughs> and it affects yeah. us <laughs> yeah 100 percent. i uh i had a bit of a facebook rant about two three months ago around just you know you do not know everything that's going on in people's lives and please cut people a little slack before giving them a bit of grief um but weirdly about six weeks ago i deleted my facebook account altogether and i've had that since i don't know 15, 20 years, maybe. I don't know how long Facebook's been around. But yeah, I've deleted my Facebook account altogether now just because I thought I can't be bothered. Cannot be bothered. Well, it's interesting that you should bring that up because the theme for men's health 
uh, Men's Health Week this year is men's health and the internet and sort of that relationship that we all have with the internet. So you brought up social media there. So what do you think are some of the main issues when it comes to the internet and the impact it could have on our mental health? And was there a, even a reason for you deleting your Facebook account? I think I've gone through cycles with social media. And again, obviously, we wear different hats, don't we? There's me, I'm Carl, I'm a person, I'm a family man. Um, you know, I'm just a normal Teesside guy in 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 most aspects of my life. But then I'm also Carl, the MD of Active, and people want me for different things in the business community. So I, I wear different hats. So sometimes I've got to be different personalities, if that makes sense. Um, so Facebook for me was always personal. Uh, many, many years ago, if anybody ever watches this and knows me from many years ago, it used to be my outlet for a bit of bit of a laugh, really. And I used to enjoy winding people up. Um, and it, because my job was so serious, it was one of the only outlets I had to actually just have a bit of a laugh and a bit of a wind up. And I'd have a, I'd have a political rant on there or, I'd, you know, light the match and throw it and then step back and just watch it. Um, the debate going I used to do it as an escape as a complete opposite of what my day job has to be um, so that used to be Facebook um, Twitter and LinkedIn have always been professional it's always who I am as a person or who our business is uh, for obvious reasons and then Instagram all then was me personally around select people and I only ever connect and let people connect with me on Instagram who I either trust or I know I don't accept any randoms on there so I don't do it for number of followers etc um the Facebook thing though I found that the way society's changed you can't just have an opinion anymore someone's always there to shoot you down and tell you you're wrong and and I and I, I don't like that I don't like the way society's changed and again, it used to get me to think, well, was I wrong just because someone shouted at me or had a go at me? I wasn't wrong. It was just my opinion in the same way as they're not wrong. They're not right. It's just their opinion. And that's absolutely fine. Now, 10 years ago, you used to be able to have a, a decent debate on social media. And just in the same way as if I went to watch a football match with my friend, we could come away from the match and say, he was great today, he was rubbish today, got the tactics right, got the tactics wrong. We'd have a laugh about it, but we'd still buy each other a beer and we'd still go home happy and we'd still message each other the next day and be friends. You can't do that on social media today. It's, no, you're wrong, can't stand you, blah de blah you're blocked. Someone screenshots it, shares it. They try and pull you down. And you're thinking, hang on, life shouldn't be like that. Why are we taking life so seriously? And in the end, I just, I just found that Certainly Facebook became, I don't know, it was, I was either, it was consuming, I was spending time on it and I wasn't really getting much benefit back. So I thought I'd rather have that time back for myself. So mm. it just, it's just another reason to put the phone away and, and not go on it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people can probably relate to that. More and more people are deleting their, their Facebook account or their social account for many different reasons, whether it be a waste of time or just to sort of get get some time back, I suppose. Do you, do you think you were addicted to it? I'm a, what I am addicted to 
and again, anybody who knows me knows this, I'm, I'll openly admit that I've got OCD. I hate having red dots on my phone. So if I get a notification, I don't always necessarily have to reply to it. So I'm not that bad. But I, if, if I have a red dot, I want to see what it is. So I would say, yes, I've got, you know, I've got no red dots on my phone before I started this call because I've checked, every, not I checked everything, but I, I made sure all my emails are, are done. And, and there's some people I work with and, and I wind them up and they've got like 2,000 red dots on their Hotmail account or whatever. And I think, how can you live with yourself? It's bonkers. Um, so for me, getting rid of Facebook was just one less thing that I had red dots pinging during the day. You don't so even turn them off. <laughs> I've turned the noises off for them. Put it that you way. can't so turn the that. notifications off? Yeah, but um, it was easy for me to get. I'm, I'm quite black and white. It was it was yeah. easy for me just to get rid of it. Do you know what? It. I completely understand and can and relate. And um, and I'll I'll share something, actually. Um, I am somewhat addicted, I would say, to LinkedIn. Like how it's, I'm not really on any social media per se really much anymore because I feel like it's like business and I'm kind of in there and we're very active on there. Um, I delete LinkedIn every weekend. Really? I don't want to go through that loop of like checking it. Because <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm on it a lot throughout the week. So I just delete it at the weekend. So I'm just and reinstall not... it back onto your phone on a Monday yeah. morning. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> I feel like I just it's almost habitual it's like I'll check an email and it's like oh I'll just reply to this on LinkedIn and it, I just feel like it's taking too much of my time so to just rein that in and take back control of that I'm like I just delete it mm. yeah see uh, that's you've got to be too organized for that I can <laughs> control myself with LinkedIn I, I think things like LinkedIn it's you're reading things there's the one thing why I don't mind LinkedIn is there's not much, I'll be dramatic, there's not much hate on LinkedIn. It's not necessarily a negative place. People are a bit more polite, aren't they? Yeah. And what I, what I don't want is if I've had a, you know, we all have hard days, rough days, heavy days, whatever. If I go home, the last thing that I want on a night or on a weekend is to get deep and heavy and be surrounded by negativity because I do think that does contribute towards your state of mind. Instagram, I, I've got more into Instagram recently because it obviously it's pictures and people tend to post nice pictures. So it tends to be more of a pleasant thing to flick and scroll through when you're on your phone than Facebook. Mm -hmm. uh, Twitter, to be fair, I've started muting and blocking certain accounts that I don't want to hear from, even things that I don't follow. I don't know how to find the way on the on your, onto your timeline. But I've just started muting and blocking them because I don't I don't want negativity. It can it mm. can consume you. So for me, I'm not saying it's right for everybody, but for me, for my mindset and, and how I operate, if it's negative, unless it directly impacts me and I have to be involved with it, I'll scroll past, get rid, and try and block it out. And that's mm. that's a way of keeping my head up and keeping my state of mind in a positive um, way rather than getting sucked down those yeah. sort of negative wormholes, which I think you do see on social media how much it consumes some people, don't you? And I think I just sit, sit there and think, have you not got kids? Have you not got 
a, a, a wife or a, a husband to chat with or yeah I find it strange I think that's it I think we all know like either ourselves we can catch ourselves in our like on our in our phones so, you know billions of pounds and dollars are spent in keeping us addicted to these things so it's not entirely our fault um but uh yeah it can be all consuming absolutely and so um yeah I think that surrounding yourself with positivity is such an important thing to do what's in your ears what's in your eyes what you just what you what's your friend circle or your your business circle it's massively important and I'm I'm with you like if you're if you're a downer you're gone <laughs> yeah but again it, it gets you starting to think more and sometimes Again, we've all done it, I'm sure. You can put two and two together and get five. You can completely get sidetracked because you start assuming, overthinking. And I just think it's sometimes it's not a great place to be unless you are very, very mentally strong, of which, you know, I I will openly admit, I wouldn't regard myself as a mentally strong person. Um, I'm just a normal person that, I'm good at some things and other things affect me, um, you know, in a, in a different way. And I've, I've got to learn to circumnavigate those things that I know are going to um, affect me negatively and just try and stick with, um, you know, the positive stuff, which hopefully then makes me a better dad, a better husband, a better boss at work, a better financial advisor, a better friend, a better whatever, um, if I can try and smile more than I can get angry at something. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a good good advice for everybody. Um, on that, do you have any specific tips around setting boundaries to protect our mental health? So, I was taught something years ago, five years ago, when I when I uh, chatted to somebody, and I've tried to stick to it. It's not easy, so I don't want to be a hypocrite because I do fall out of this every now and again. But I was taught. Don't put something in your diary if you feel as though you have to, should to, or need to. Only put things in the diary if you want to or if you'd like to. And it was around the psychology of if I told you or I said to you, Marie, I need you to do this, or you have to do this, or you should do this, psychologically, you would probably shiver and recoil a little bit and think you cheeky whatever and probably yeah, the quickest, quickest way to piss me off <laughs> yeah, you would you, you'd react differently if I said that but if I said to you would you like to do you want to you'd probably be you'd probably receive it more warmly now apparently and again I'm not the expert um our brains react totally, or our brains react in the same way when we're doing it to ourselves, in the same way as if someone else is doing it. So if you receive an email, we would like to invite you to so-and-so, and you think, oh, God, I must go to that, or I really have to go to that, or I should go to that, you might put it in your diary, but because your brain will still receive it in the same way as if somebody else has told you, you should go to it, etc. When you go to that event, you will always resent being there you're probably not going to go there with a bit of a spark you're probably not going to want to hang around you're going to want to shoot off afterwards and apparently that then comes across we don't always know it but it can sometimes come across in our in our manner so by being able to say no to things and not go to those things and get either get other people to go or politely decline 
um, and physically only put things in your diary, whether it's personal or, or work, that you actually want to go to or that you'd like to go to, you tend to genuinely go to them much more open-minded, much with a smile on your face. You'll probably get more out of it. The people that you interact with will probably get a better version of you than an event that you feel as though you're being forced to go to. So I was taught that five years ago. I tried to stick to it rigidly. You can't always do it. I accept that in a perfect world. But it does help massively. Absolutely. So I think that getting rid of that should word is so important, isn't it? Just get it out of your life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I do. Again, I, I, I used to have these political arguments about when people say, oh, I have to do this. We don't have to do it. We don't have to do anything if we don't want to. True. But it's how how far you take that, literally. You know, we don't have to do anything. Um, everything's a choice, or most things in life are a choice. We are very we much on the too, same page. I have, I have to drink this water. I have to get some sleep. I have to breathe. Yeah. Apart from that. <laughs> yeah. But we get too com- we get too consumed with consequences. Uh, again, you you may have seen on LinkedIn a few weeks back. I shared somebody recommended it to me, and uh, I shared it on LinkedIn. It was a, a book, and I actually listened to the audio version whilst I was in the car for a few days. And it was called "The Art of Saying No." Now, again, the reason we say yes to a lot of things is because we don't know how to say no. We're too worried about the reaction somebody will have if we say no. And it was for me, it was more of a reminder that. It's not a bad thing to say no. And there is an art of saying it without peeing off the person you're replying to. So they don't take it personally. And if they do take it personally, that might be because something's going on in their life mm. rather than yours. So you can't be held responsible for that. What was the wisdom that you took away for how to say no in case anyone's listening and thinking, OK, I need to learn how to do that. Other than go and read the book, which it sounds like you'd probably recommend. But uh, how do you say no? I think it was about being truthful and being honest. Um, and what I mean by that is qu- quite often we'll say no and say, oh, I'm really sorry, I can't go to that. I've already got something in the diary at that time. Although you might not have something in the diary at that time. You make up a little white lie to get out of saying no. But what you're doing then is giving them the trigger to come back and say, oh, well, we're actually running the event at the same time next Thursday instead. And then it's like, oh, shit, where do I go from here? Because you've said, I would really like to go, but I've already got something in the diary. Whereas realistically, if you don't want to go, you don't think it will add value to you, be honest and say that. And and what they say is, if if the person you are responding to is um, a forward-thinking, open-minded person themselves, they'll probably respect your honesty in their reply and probably have more respect for you than if you tried to worm your way out of it with a little white lie or a, an untruth, depending on uh, how you want to phrase it. Um, because, you know, you can end up tying yourself in knots. So that was a, mm. that was an interesting, an interesting tip, certainly from the book. Yeah. Thank you for that offense. Not for me. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Love it. Well, I think that's super useful. And thank you so much for sharing your insights. So before we wrap up, we've got one final question. and We ask it to all of our podcast guests. So what is one way that you think employers can create happy, healthy workplaces? 
But I had a good think about this. And I don't think I've necessarily got what I would call a silver bullet. But I would genuinely say, just try it. Be flexible. Work based on the workforce you have. Don't try and fit a narrative. And it's better to try something and it not work than be trying to be too fixed mindset and, and not dare try something um, because you've never done it. And what I mean by that is, you know, if if some we had we had some of our staff a few years ago who said, oh, I want to do I want to start doing a four day week and not work a Friday. Okay, that's fine. If you want to you want to try that, then do it. We've never done it before, but crack on. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, we'll reassess it in three, six months' time and and see where we're at. I think we've always, as a business, we've always been, I wouldn't say early adopters, but we've always been quite flexible in our approach. As long as the work gets done and it gets done properly, who am I to prescribe to somebody how it should be done? Because, you know, as a business grows, you're going to have different characters who've got different family setups, different behavioral types, uh, different mindset types. So you've got to be flexible to, you know, uh, to, to keep those people and attract those people and to get a broader workplace environment, really. I think being too fixed, those days are long gone. Yeah. Uh, so I would just say be really open-minded, try something. If it works, brilliant you will retain a, a blooming good member of your team. If you don't try something or you don't show willing, you run the risk of losing good members of your team. So what? What? there's no harm in uh, in having a go. Absolutely. You're totally right. Flexibility is key and workplaces are at risk of losing that top talent. They're going to go and work somewhere else that uh, welcomes their entire humanness and their life that they're bringing to the organisation. And... Um, and yeah, we've we've got to be able to adapt to that. So I think that's a great point. I think yeah, just the only other thing to add to that, actually, I've just thought or reminded me when you spoke there, is I think we've just got to treat people like grown-ups and trust them as well. Um, there's a lot to be said for that. We've got some great people who work here who've worked in other organizations. And one of the things they they often say is the reason they left those previous organizations is because they didn't feel trusted. They weren't treated like a grown-up. They're almost treated like you go to work you do your job you're told what to do how to do it when to do it you go in at that time you leave at that time end of no flexibility and these are highly skilled educated people with ambition who want to fulfill their potential in life and wouldn't you want to be an employer that's attractive for those type of people to come and work for mm. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? We sort of can revert back to school and the high, sort of hierarchy of authority. And it's yes, sir, no, sir. It's like, well, hang on. We are grown ups at work here, to your point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Thank you so much. And thanks so much for making time to speak with us today. Just before we do let you go, though, where can people find out more about you, the projects that you're involved with, and what you're up to with Active Chartered Financial Planners? So, probably like you, I'm probably most active on LinkedIn. Um, I tend to uh, throw a lot of serious stuff, educational stuff in terms of what we do as a business, how we help our clients uh, and how we can help 
people like yourselves who run businesses. Uh, I tend to throw a little bit of humor and humility in there as well. Um, I don't like to be serious all of the time. I try and let my personality uh, come out a little bit on there. So uh, do feel free to engage with us on there, whether it's as a business or on my own profile. And uh, and yeah, we um, you know we tend to be on most of the uh, social media channels. Who are you most keen to help with Active Chartered Financial Planners for anyone who doesn't know? I think it's somebody who's really looking to get their finances in order. Um, so, you can, again, you can't really put somebody in a box or in a, in a pigeonhole with that because some people jump on it at a really young age and they want to really get their ducks in a row. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, some people for whatever circumstance, whether it's life or earnings capacity or whatever, um, don't start that until later on in, in life. So we really want to get involved with clients who uh, want to engage in the process. And ultimately, it is a process. It's not just a, a transaction. It's not a one-off silver bullet that can fix things. It is really a case of people who want to you know, get the ball rolling, put a plan in place, and actually hopefully we can help you uh, achieve that financial security because I certainly don't want to work uh, until the day I die. I want to retire as young as possible. Hopefully we all see ourselves as having a life beyond work. And the earlier you can plan for that, the earlier you engage with your finances, the sooner that is likely to happen. So, you know, uh, if you don't engage with a financial advisor now, you need to. Nice one. And where can they do that? What's the website? It's www.activefinancialplanners.co.uk and uh, at Active Financial on Twitter and Active Chartered Financial Planners on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And thank you once again for making time to speak with us today. It's been a super valuable chat. I hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, I look forward to seeing you around the trap soon. Thanks, Marie. Thanks for listening to the Key Wellbeing Podcast. And don't forget, we've got a whole library of free guides, toolkits, resources, and fortnightly lunchtime listens, just like this, with an epic lineup of guests, all to help you to create a healthy, happy workplace. Find it all on our website, www.keywellbeing.co.uk.